Welcome to the Strong Life Coach Podcast, where we speak life, coach life, write life, and lead life. Today, I'm joined in the podcast studio by Ashley Lake. And Ashley, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, I'm excited to connect with you and learn a little bit about your journey. For all of the listeners in podcast land, I want them to know a little bit about you. Ashley Lakin is a trial attorney who specializes in personal injury. She practices in Long Beach, California. She was licensed in 2010 and spent the first five years of her career working as a defense attorney. Ashley then transitioned to plaintiff's personal injury and worked for a premier firm in Century City, California for approximately three and a half years. She opened Lakin Law Group in May 2019. She has a YouTube channel where she interviews attorneys who provide useful tips on scaling up their own practices. You can find the channel by her first and last name, Ashley Lakin. Connect with her on Facebook, Ashley Lakin, and Instagram, Lakin underscore law underscore group. Ashley, what inspired you to become an attorney? Um, I think... My entire life, I, I always asked why. I was a very, very curious kid. And uh, my parents realized pretty quickly it wasn't me being defiant. Like I legitimately wanted to know why you want me to do this because if I understood the purpose, it made the task more meaningful to me, mm -hmm. um, which also resulted in a lot of debating in the household. Mm. And uh, in high school, my parents kept saying, you might want to think about being a lawyer. Um, and it, I just kind of always had it in the back of my mind. But, mm -hmm. you know, one thing that fuels me in my particular area of the law is I love standing up for other people and being the voice of other people who would not otherwise stand up for themselves. I'm far better at doing it for my clients than I am for myself. Mm. So. Yes. You know, uh, when I hear somebody's journey and specifically their calling and they, they explore nuances of their past and especially for you in your childhood, talking about being inquisitive, being curious and wanting to know the reason behind it. I, I, I just I, you could see that calling, you could, at least from this perspective, from a very early age. But I love that your parents also highlighted that for you and said, hey, this might be bigger than just a curious attitude or an inquisitive, you know. Yeah. Uh, detail of your personality, but this might be something bigger, like you, you know, being an attorney, and you went, you went and fulfilled that, which is, which is, which is, uh, which is powerful. I, I love hearing stories like that. Thank you, thank you. Now, how how did you decide to focus on uh, personal injury? Personal injury. Well, number one, the whole reason I went to law school was to be a trial attorney. And, uh, and I, I think we're, we're going to touch on this a little bit later, but confidence has never been my strongest, the strongest part of my personality. I actually mm -hmm. studied for the LSAT and uh, got up and walked out of the course. And I thought I wasn't smart enough to do it. Mm -hmm. And then it took me a couple of years before I got the courage to go back and, and take the LSAT again. But the one thing that drove me was I always had this vision of being in a courtroom and telling someone's story to a jury. And, and getting that verdict and feeling like I walked yes. out with justice. It was never about the money. It was always mm -hmm. about that feeling of, I fought for that person and I won and I did it by telling a story. Um, mm -hmm. And no matter where my life went in between the times that I studied for the LSAT, it was always about 
that I could never get that vision of being a trial attorney out of my head. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it left me with two choices, criminal or civil. And um, I ended up working as a defense attorney in civil. And then I ended up transitioning into plaintiff's work, but personal injury is a lot like criminal and that every case is its own unique story. Mm-hmm. Every person has a, has a story. There's, there's what happened, how did they get hurt? Mm-hmm. Um, then there's the story about their injuries and then there's the general damages portion, which is how it personally affected their life. And that's often the hardest story to tell a jury. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's, it's, this, it's the uniqueness of the story Um, And it's also the challenge of being able to communicate to a jury what's going on inside of a person's heart and inside of a person's body. Because a lot of times the the injuries are Mm -hmm. invisible. You can't see them on the outside. Right. So to me, it's a challenge. It's storytelling. And that is something that I've always just naturally gravitated toward. Yes. And I appreciate you talking about the detail of even the confidence that wasn't there initially. So what do you think happened? You know, I mean, you said the vision. Okay. But, and, and, and I think the way you carry yourself, at least in the little bit of interaction I've had with you, whether that's on Instagram or a little bit on YouTube, you yeah. seem to be confident, again, at, at least from this angle. Yeah. What's really helped you? I mean, or what tip would you give the listeners of, you know, one thing that's really helped you with your confidence from walking out of the LSAT to sitting here, you, you know, you're a decade into your career as an attorney. What, what has been maybe one tip that's helped you with confidence? Well, number one, <laughs> you deal with enough you know, mean other attorneys and you do get a bit of a thick skin. Mm. Um, at this point in my career, I mean, I, you know, the, the beautiful thing about the law is you never stop learning. There's mm. always something you don't know. Um, there's always a strategy you weren't aware of. So I definitely wouldn't say I know it all, but I know enough to know what I'm doing. But to get me to that point, mm-hmm. a little bit fake it till you make it, a yes. little bit, um, a little bit, just close your eyes and jump, you know, <laughs> like, you know, when you're, you're, you're scared to do something. Like I used to skydive and I remember when I would get to, they would open the plane door and you feel that pull. And I would think, oh my God, like those swimming pools are <laughs> really small. Like what if my parachute doesn't open? And I was like, stop it. And I shut my mind off and I was like, the quickest way out is down. Just jump. <laughs> jump right. Um, and that's, and it's kind of like that, that book, the five second rule, um, it's kind of like that. Um, and then the other part of it, to be honest with you, was a lot of study. I mm. studied a lot on things like confidence and awareness. And it ended up kind of taking me down this rabbit hole of spirituality, but it was all self-work. And I really don't think I would have gotten to this point if I hadn't studied other very successful female entrepreneurs if yes. I had read the books, listened to the audiobooks, listened to the podcast, I mean, I literally threw myself into that world and I'm still in it today. I listen, I listen to an audiobook every single morning when I'm doing my makeup. Mm. Every time I get in the car, I'm not listening to music. I'm listening to educational, you know, mm. stuff. I'm listening to my audiobooks. So a lot of study. Yes. I think I think we might be able to have a podcast episode on each one of those three areas, right? The the study. Yeah. I mean, of course, that's all. That's in, that's entirely you know my, my world. I love the study. That's the reason I'm doing what I'm doing. That's the reason I'm interviewing yeah. you now is to yeah. understand what right. helps successful people be successful. And and yeah. and, and so I'm, I'm a big fan of that. I love that. Let's underline that yeah. for the listeners. Yes. Th- think about what you actually- that the most successful people all have certain things in common. Exactly. And I did not know that until I started 
studying these people. They all are, you know, they've got their habits, you know, a lot of them had imposter syndrome. Um, and so, you know, people really should, you really want to be successful. You have to like self-help, personal development, spirituality totes my jam. Like every single day, every day. I'm going to put that on a commercial for, uh, for what I do. And it's like, Hey, just so you know, this attorney endorses what I do for a living. So, uh, thank you very much. A lot of them are coaches. A lot of them are coaches. Mm, Yes. Yes. Jen Sincero. A lot of them are coaches. They're Mm, great. Yes. You know, and then I love also what you described on close your eyes and jump, you know, all the other idioms that go with that, you know, do it afraid, build your wings on the way down, all yeah. of those things. You even tied it into, you yeah. know, skydiving. I think you probably, again, t- could tell stories for days. Let me ask yeah. one question about skydiving while, while we bring up the little topic is, um, what has been, maybe, and I know you just mentioned one, but what, what, what from that experience or experiences, if you went, did, did it multiple times, what, what, what did it teach you going, going through those uh, experiences, the experience or experiences skydiving? Um, what did it teach me? Mm. Well, one, that I didn't die. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of the times, you know, the things, a lot of people don't realize that when you have an emotion that's tied to a thought, oftentimes it's based on a false belief. Mm. And just because you think something does not make that thought true. Right. Mm. So when you open the door, I mean, basically you got to trust, right? You're not the only person that goes into a skydiving jump. Somebody packed your parachute. Okay. Mm. Somebody packed the thing that is going to save your life. Right. <laughs> so one, it's trust. You know, I, and as a business owner, I've learned that you got to hire. You, mm. And when you hire, you have to trust. And sometimes it doesn't always work out. Now you're not going to die. Like if your parachute is <laughs> open, but it does, you know, it, you, you have to trust. And you have to delegate. You cannot be a control freak. You will drive yourself nuts. Number two, the things, the thoughts that roll through your mind before you jump out of an airplane, Mm -hmm. right? They're either epically good or they're epically (laughs) not good, right? Uh You have a choice. You have a choice how you, you know, you can control your mind. A lot of people don't realize that. They associate themselves with their mind. Mm -hmm. When you're about to jump and you're like, I'm not sure I'm going to make it through this. Like, you know, those, those thoughts. Right, right. you choose to think and number three it's literally just facing the fear you got i i could have i could have sat my heidi down in the plane and said forget it just just take me down (laughs) but i knew i would feel worse if i did that and the plane landed and i got off and i didn't face it and i would have gone back every day until i did it so Mm. i'm like might as well do it today it's more time efficient so um it it just it really taught me um, it's just, you got to just face the fear. It's like, you know, people always say like, oh, I don't have enough money to start my own firm. The circumstances aren't right. Blah. I mean, I don't know about you, but like when I had kids, it is not, ne- you are never prepared for that. It is never <laughs> the right time. Just do it. And that's exactly, you know, that's the same thing with the skydiving. Same thing. When you start your own firm at some point, the excuses have to stop because all your reasons why you don't do something it is literally the same thing. It is an excuse. Mm. It's not mm. the same thing. It is an excuse. Yeah. And at some point, you got to, you know, for lack of better words, you got to put your big girl panties on, mm. stop the excuses, and just take the first step. And once you yes. take that first step, typically everything falls in line afterward. Wow. 
how, how about we just drop the mic right now, close the podcast with, 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 that, <laughs> with, with that right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, that's, I, I mean, I I've always it. been a little bit of an adrenaline junkie anyway, so there was a little bit of that too. Yeah. If yeah. I had to take some lessons from that, yeah, that's that's what it is. I love it. I think what I'm going to have to do in, 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 a, in a section of my book, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to write about your experience so that I, you know, I, and I'll cite you and I'll quote you and I'll, and I'll make sure I, to send you a book as well. You know what? Um, How about you just go skydiving? <laughs> <laughs> she challenged me right here, y'all. So, Hey, when, 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 when I go, when I go, I'm taking a picture, I'm sending it to you to let you know, um, I took you up on your challenge. <laughs> I will say you're the first podcast guest. I think I've done whatever, 75, 80 interviews at this point, but you're the first one who's challenged me to go skydiving. <laughs> I feel like that's an easier challenge than, than training for a marathon, which I've been challenged to do. And I, I run, I mean, I ran three miles today, but the idea of running that long is not really- Skydiving is way easier. <laughs> you're strapped to somebody else, but it's, you still get that same effect of flying and then the parachuting, like you, you still get it. You know, mm. so, yeah, I, yes. I, I hereby challenge you. I like it. I like it. I, I'm with it. I'm with it. Podcast <laughs> listeners, I've been challenged and y'all are going to hold me accountable for coming through as a skydiver. <laughs> now, what has been one challenge you faced as an attorney that you've overcome? What I said before, my, and it's amazing out of all the challenges that I have faced as an attorney, I was the biggest one. Mm. So a lot of attorneys, and, the, and really it's not unique to being an attorney. It's, it's being somebody who wants more for themselves. We have to get out of our own way. The first step you can ever take is just get out of your own way. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I remember, you know, I used to drive four to four and a half hours a day to the firm I worked for. Wow. And I'm a single mom. And I had, you know, I was hiring college students to help pick up my kids from school. And then they would quit with no notice. And I would panic. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? She quit on a Friday. I got to go to work on Monday. I have no childcare. Mm -hmm. Right. And then I finally realized, you know, and I always kind of wanted to start my own firm, but I kind of realized like, what is the worst that can happen? Mm. What is the worst that can happen? And then I realized that what is the worst that can happen is one of the worst attitudes I could have started with. Anyways, I am not meant to fail. I mm. have to believe that. And here it is, you know, a year and change out and I have not failed. Mm -hmm. Right. So I don't even put any attention on what could happen and failure, but I did a lot when I started my career, I was always afraid to make a mistake. And I'm sure a lot of attorneys remember, you know, when they started their careers, like being so scared to turn in the first draft of a motion mm -hmm. to the supervising attorney, like, oh, he's going to think I'm a moron. Like, mm -hmm. what if I didn't research that? What if I missed a case? Like, what if sure. I lose this? You know, um, you got to get out of your own way. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if you make a mistake. A mistake, literally, I, I have a case I'm getting ready to try. I know I'm going to lose it and I'm excited mm. because I know I'm going to learn twice as much from the loss as I am from the win. Oof. right so it's, mm. it's really perspective I, and all of that was done from studying i had to learn how not only you know to get out of my own way but how to get out of your own way mm. preach it sister preach it and, and i would say <laughs> the, second, the second biggest challenge honestly is just mm. being a, a you know i'm not younger anymore but when i started being a younger female attorney we didn't get the same trial opportunities and when you want to be a trial lawyer 
it's hard to get, especially as a defense attorney, it's hard to get those opportunities. And it's one of the reasons why I switched over to the plaintiff side. Mm-hmm. I mean, I believed in the plaintiff side far more than I believed in the no, no disrespect to defense attorneys. Right. Without them, I wouldn't have a job. Without me, they wouldn't have a job. And I think, you know, I have a lot of respect for defense attorneys, but I think the second challenge was just getting somebody to just give me the opportunity to go try a case. Mm-hmm. So, and then, and then going and trying the case. That's one of the scariest things I've ever done. Mm-hmm. And again, that's when you're up against that cliff, you just jump, you figure it out. Even if you're figuring it out in the courtroom, mm. but it's the man in the arena, everyone outside the arena can judge you. It doesn't matter if you're the one in the arena, you're the one with the blood, sweat, and tears. You are the one with the glory or the defeat. No one can talk about you. Mm-hmm. They weren't in the arena. You were in the arena. Yes. You know, um, when's your book coming out when's your <laughs> i mean <laughs> let me challenge you uh you know you know um, let me let me return a challenge to you <laughs> everything you're talking uh, about we, we i have- can't even find time to do a spa night for myself <laughs> <laughs> i tell you what um, things you're saying on the, i mean i could totally see even what you said just in the last you know whatever 15 minutes we've been you know t- discussing i think those are chapter titles of your book, your story, your experiences. Um, I'm motivated. I'm sure the listeners will also be motivated from, uh, from listening to you. Um, but yeah, so, so that's my, that, 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 I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the book you're going to write. Thank you. <laughs> In fact, I'm going to we'll put this on, on the recording. I'm going to send you an empty book with your name on it. Oh, and that's and uh, so uh, I send it to your law office and so you get that. And um, and and I and based on some, I, I use one of the quotes you used in today's podcast. I'm going to put it as your your book title, and yeah. then uh, and we we'll see what comes out of this one event of coming to the podcast and two uh, receiving a gift with your name on it. So, That's sweet. Um, <laughs> anyway, I'm I'm excited. Um, tell tell us a little bit about what has been the best way to attract new clients to your law results. results results and you can't get those results until you get out there and you get your hands dirty you got to roll up your sleeve you know i was very fortunate um at the last firm that i worked for i had a an amazing trial partner uh her name is lourdes de armis and um uh, she she would actually be a fantastic guest for you as well Mm, um she works for another premier law firm and uh, we were trial partners we are best friends probably because we spent so much time in trial together. Mm-hmm. She also is like in a really amazing cook. So she cooked all of our meals ahead of time and fed me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all the trials. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had a case that we were told to, to settle it and we really believed it was worth more. So we, we fought for it and uh, we ended up taking it to trial and we got a really, really good verdict. So that helped me in the trial arena. So when I ended up going out on my own, I did have some good relationships built up. And that's why you always want to be very ethical in your practice. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people who have, you know, either they're not as ethical or they walk the line. Don't do that. The legal community is small. People talk. They know always. I, I've literally had to turn down cases because I wasn't willing to do things that were asked of me um, mm-hmm. like that. You know what? That doesn't feel right in my gut. You know, you always got to go by your gut. But if you do that and, you know, you work hard and, and you're aggressive, but you're also respectful, 
you got to be respectful. If you're respectful, people, especially on the defense, they know you're ethical. They know you'll, you will try the case. Um, they know that you can run the gamut of, of going from gazelle to pit bull in 2.5 seconds. Mm -hmm. They know you'll mediate the case. You know, once they know those things about you, you'll get the results. Once you get the results, you get referrals. Mm -hmm. So that was the most effective way to do it for me. You know, I love how those concepts that you just explained, um, they, they, so when it comes to being aggressive, being respectful and being ethical. Yes. And I think those three things, because sometimes people think, oh, well, if you're aggressive, you can't be respectful. But no, right. no, you can be aggressive and respectful yes. and ethical all together. Yes. And what I'm hearing yes. from you is one of the most powerful combinations you could have in your world. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, um, one of the best pieces, and I know you and I had talked about this before, um, one of the, the best pieces when I first became I started out in medical malpractice and, and it was for a firm. And one of the named partners told me when I first started, he pulled me aside. He said, listen, kid, um, don't ever forget that you're a woman. And I was looking at him like, how, did, how would I forget that? Right. Like, <laughs> right, right. he said, when you try a case, every female juror is already rooting for you. Mm. They, those are votes that you can only lose. If you start practicing law thinking that you gotta be like a man to practice and you forget the innate qualities of femininity, mm. like empathy, um, sympathy, compassion, things, good job. Um, if, you, if you forget those things, those are your votes to lose. But if you remember and you bring those things into your practice with you, he said, I am more scared of a competent, female trial attorney who is in touch with her femininity than the best male attorney I've ever known. I'm more afraid of her than I will mm. ever be of him. And I always remember that. Mm. And that has literally, so when I go in, I don't feel like, you know, I got to go and when a man, you know, puts out his hand to shake my hand, I don't feel like I need to, you know, be super aggressive with mm. him. If mm. you raise your voice at me, I don't need to raise my voice at you. Mm. Um, I'm, you know, during the pre COVID times, like I'm known as the hugger. I'll even hug defense attorneys. I'll hug insurance adjusters. I'll hug clients. Like mm. that's what I do. I mean, I, I'm still going to zealously advocate, but I've built really good relationships with a lot of defense attorneys and adjusters based on that piece of advice. And so when we have cases now, they already know that I'm competent. They already know that I'm going to get the work done. I know that they are. We settle the cases much easier. I truly believe that you get more bees with honey than you do with vinegar. Mm. So for, you know, and I've, I've met a lot of attorneys that come in, they think they got to come in and be a bulldog and argue and call names and be nasty on the phone and not grant mm. extensions and not grant personal courtesies. That stuff bites you later. Mm. People do not forget that. And it is harder once you realize that that doesn't work, it is harder to overcome that reputation later than it is just to start your career, just being a decent human being. Oof. Lawyers already have a bad rep. Okay, mm -hmm. let's be the lawyers who actually operate as kind human beings. We can yes. still be kind. Mm -hmm. I feel like this is quickly turning into the podcast episode that I'm going to refer all of the new attorneys to go listen to this episode and, uh, and, and, and glean the insights of what you're talking about. I feel like you're dropping 
incredible um, pearls, gold nuggets um, for, uh, I, I love the concept of tapping into the power of authentic femininity. Yeah. Like the, the, that yeah. right there um, is, I think it's profound. I haven't heard anybody describe it like you did, but even the whole thing, you heard it from him, even what he, what he described, what he's afraid of most was what you just described, which is, yeah. say it one more time, what he's most afraid of. What he's most afraid of is a competent female attorney who is in touch with her femininity. Oof. The one most that does not of. come in, who feels like she's got to be a man to, to win. You just have to be you. The most, the, the, the most effective thing that you can do for yourself, for those attorneys out there who are trial attorneys, the most effective strategy is literally just being authentically you. Mm. Because if you, you know, and I know so many, and I, I personally don't do this, but I know so many who go and they go to court and they watch the trial legends. That's a great idea. But don't ever say things like they say them. Don't go up and pick up their mannerisms. Mm. If you like their strategy, or maybe they asked a certain question in cross or direct exam that you like, mm. awesome. But don't go in there and try to be them. You got to go in and be you. You know why? Because jurors, they're people. They're not stupid. They can smell when somebody isn't authentic. And you yeah. know what that is? It's a lack of credibility. Once the jury doesn't believe you, it doesn't matter how great your case is. Your damages are astronomical. Your client is lovable. If they don't believe the person who is delivering the message, your case is sunk. Mm. Go in and and every trial school I've attended, everyone I know who, who teaches trial strategy, they all say this, figure out what your strengths are, your strengths are, and play on those strengths because that builds credibility with the jury. Mm -hmm. So it's sometimes like, I, I will not go watch, <laughs> tell your sister, keep your voice up. I will not go um, watch like YouTube, episodes of trial scenes sometimes before I go to trial specifically so that I don't inadvertently pick up something that somebody else has already done. Mm. I just don't buy it. The power of being authentically you. There's, there's no replicating that. You know, I, I, I love what you said because I think there's this concept of there's imitation good, which you talked about strategy, yeah. and there's imitation bad, which is like that generic off brand that's not the real thing whatsoever and everybody knows it yeah but, but to understand um what we'll call it we'll call it imitation power right and an imitation week yes. and knowing the difference between what imitation power is as you mentioned knowing yeah. what to imitate how to implement how to glean insight from other people to right. use but to never lose touch of the genuine self i love the concept yeah you gotta be you now now what has helped you establish work-life balance as an attorney? Oh, um, I, I'm not even sure I, I have totally established that, mm -hmm. but I will tell you the one thing I stopped doing was feeling guilty when I'm not working. Mm. Because I, I literally, when I was driving four and a half hours a day to Century City, and then I came home, I would either have to meet the nanny at my kid's sports practice, 
or I would have the nanny bring them home. And I had already prepared dinner by that point. By the time I went to bed, I was exhausted. Hmm. And exhaustion leads to a really short temper. A really short temper leads to screaming at your kids. Hmm. Um, it, then it leads to you going to bed feeling guilty. Um, I was getting up at like four o'clock in the morning and starting my work day to try to make up for some of those. I mean, the point is, is I was literally on a hamster wheel. And that is not sustainable. And I learned when I opened my own practice that if your cup isn't full, no one's cup is full. Mm. And so sometimes on a Saturday or Sunday, you know, I'm like, you know what? I'm tired. I want to listen to my body. If my body said it's time to shut down, even if it's in the middle of the day and I got to take a 20 minute power nap, I do it because that makes me more effective for the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. If I want to sit down and have dinner with my kids, um, I'm not thinking about everything else I should be doing during that time. You, I stay present. Mm. If I'm in this moment, if I'm riding a bike down the street with my kids, I'm in this moment. I'm not thinking about that email I forgot to send. I'm not mm. thinking about whether I calendared a discovery due date. I'm in that moment. When I'm here with you, I'm here with you. When mm. I'm working on this deadline, I'm working on this deadline. And I don't feel guilty about the fact that my kid has to wait for me to help them with their homework. I got to do this. Mm. Another time is you got to schedule in self-care. Mm. You have to make yourself important. And I feel like I've heard, I heard a lot. I've heard a lot that your kids should come first. I do not subscribe to that ideology mm. anymore. Mm. Once I got divorced um, and I, and, and everything I had with my kids fell on my shoulders during my time, mm -hmm. I realized I don't want my kids to think that getting married and having children means that you have to live in a prison and value everyone else's happiness mm -hmm. over your own until they grow up and go to college and move out. Your life does not have to stop. Mm -hmm. So I teach my kids that their own happiness is just as, if not more important than everybody else in their life by valuing and prioritizing my own happiness. Mm -hmm. So that means sometimes I will tell them, they're like, we want to do this. I'm like, okay, well, we're going to have to do it another time because I'm going to sit down and read a book for 30 minutes. And this is, and they might argue, no, I'm going to sit down and read a book for 30 minutes. If you would like to read your own book, you're more than welcome to join me. This is what we're doing right now because it's what I need. Um, you know, we have, I've, I teach my kids it's compromise. Being a parent and a child is not a one-way street. It's a two-way street. Mm -hmm. We got to help each other. So I do not believe that my kids come first. I believe that I come first, they come second, and the rest of the world comes third. So mm. I, I make myself a priority. I schedule in my self-care, and I don't guilt trip myself anymore about the things that I feel like I should be doing rather than what I'm actually doing at that mm. moment. You got to yes. stay present. Yes. You know, when you said that concept of not guilt tripping self, it reminded me of, of this phrase I've heard, which is to not should on other people, to yeah. not should on myself. Yeah. And when we should on ourselves, it's we're carrying around extra weight. But right. this concept of, of giving yourself permission to prioritize, prioritize self, to give to prioritize self care, to schedule great time. I, I love the concept of, um, of um, empowering self to prioritize what you need. And back to your analogy that, that your visual you gave, which is you can't pour from an empty cup. So yeah. Your cup up yep. so that you can 
potentially pour yourself out in service or building up other people around you. Right. Now, what are your favorite qualities of your favorite people? Um, they gotta have a dry sense of humor. Mm. And, and the people that are the closest to me, we can't be that sensitive because we smack talk, right? Mm. So, you know, we all kind of have an understanding that, you know, nobody means any harm. Um, right. But the sense of humor, key. You got to have a sense of humor. You got to, I mean, I laugh at myself probably more than I laugh at anybody else. Right. Um, Trust, honesty. I I mean, I literally cannot even be personal friends with attorneys who I know do dishonest things Mm -hmm. because to assume that somebody compartmentalizes dishonesty to only their professional life is a mistake. You, you can't be a successful attorney, you know, with a, with a, a growing firm um, and have an out of control personal life. Mm-hmm. All areas of your life bleed together. Yes. So if you're dishonest in one area, I already know you're going to be compromising your ethics in another area. Mm-hmm. So that is, is definitely one. Um, so I would say, I would say sense of humor number one <laughs> we've got to laugh at each other yeah. um, a sense of ethics and uh, honesty mm. and 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 i believe that the five people you spend the most amount of time with are a direct indicator of where you are in your life mm. i like spending my time with people who want more for themselves and you are not afraid to go get it i'm not talking about the people that are like one day one day, <laughs> one day. And I'm like, well, what, you know, what is your plan on how to get there? Well, I'm yeah. going to manifest it. How are you going to manifest it? <laughs> manifest it. What are you going to do? Mm. Manifest it. I'm like, okay, you know what? No, forget it. So I, and I believe in manifestation. Do not get me wrong. Mm. When I manifest it, I meditate. I visualize. I come up with a mantra. I schedule it out. I create a roadmap. Now, me manifesting something might not go exactly according to my roadmap sure. because it's manifesting, Right. but I, I'm working for it. I just don't go, okay, I'm going to put it out there and then I'm, I'm going to go watch TV and it's just going to magically show up. No, it takes, it's energy, right? Your body yes. does not know the difference between what reality is and what you see in your mind. Like they did a study on Olympic athletes. And they, they, you know, attached these wires to their head mm-hmm. um, and they told them, close your eyes. And I want you to visualize that final race mm-hmm. and their bodies fired off the same muscles as if they were actually running the race, because your brain doesn't know the difference. Mm-hmm. It's all energy. Your thought is energy. So when I visualize something, I am visualizing it while I'm driving with my eyes open. But in my mind, I'm like, I'm seeing what I want, right? What I want to see happen in my life. When I get up in the morning, you know, you know, when I'm in the shower, like I'm seeing this stuff in my mind, I'm constantly, I, because I believe you, you know, the more energy you put out there for the, you know, the, the universe to pick up on, yes, the more powerful that manifestation is. So I'm still working towards it, mm-hmm. even though I'm not in control of it, if that makes sense. Right, so I, right. want, I like people who are like, this is what I want. This is how I'm going to get there. 
this is what I'm doing to make it happen. Yes. Not people are like, oh, I would love to do this. But, and then they give me a list of excuses as to why they can't. Oof. You got to match my energy because mm. as Harvey, uh, what, what am I thinking? Um, suits, the show suits, mm-hmm. Harvey Specter. He's like, some people want to live like this. I like to live like this. <laughs> I won't be happy until I get here. Mm. Because for me, you know, this might've been my baseline, but every time we do something, outside of our comfort zone, it raises your baseline. Mm-hmm. Your baseline never drops. It can only go up. So mm-hmm. I'm constantly striving for this because I'm like, I want to see what I can do. I want to see what I can accomplish. If I just swallowed the fear, walked up to the edge of the cliff and just jumped. So every time I do that, the risk mm-hmm. becomes a little bit bigger before okay. it was the LSAT. Then it was law school. Then it was the bar exam. Then it was getting my first job. Then it was trying my Ooh. first case. Then it was starting my own firm. You know, then it was moving into a new place. Then it was these financial goals that I, that I set, that I achieved. Then it was, you know, this, like to me, I'm always raising my baseline. Mm. I want other people who are always raising their baseline too. What you just did, that was one of those standing ovation moments when, uh, as, as the speaker is going and is sharing about the vision, sharing what they've done, sharing about it. I think that's one of those moments. So, uh, so anyway, I I want, what I want to do one um, I'm going to be looking out for your book. Um, two, <laughs> two, I'm going to look out. I want you to tag me when you have your, um, these motivational speaking moments. I feel like you absolutely have the gift. And I want to, I want to just recognize that and say, um, I think Thanks. what you're sharing is adding tremendous value to everybody listening in. And I relate 100% to the, to hearing about people's dreams, but then Again, it's my world as a coach, which is like, okay, so what are you going to do about it? What day are you going to take your first step? What time are you going to take your first step? What will get in the way of your first step? What will you do to overcome what will get in the way of that first step? What do you have there? What do you have there? This is my priority planner. This every month, I come up with the goals and I map out the times in the month I'm going to meet those goals. Then Mm. I map them out during the week. Like I literally have the months tagged off. Like I mean, now it doesn't always go according to plan. Right, right. And it's okay if it doesn't go according to plan. Mm-hmm. But that's how I'm manifesting stuff. Yes. I take the steps. I want to get there. I make it happen. Mm-hmm. I've never in my life ever been in a harder season with you know my two kids out of school, the pandemic, the social distancing. Um, you know when my firm is still you know, well, it's not a baby, baby. Now, now it's like a little toddler. Uh, <laughs> it's never been harder. You know, mm-hmm. all my trials were taken off of calendar. Um, and, and literally I know so many people who are struggling and, and not to say that I haven't struggled because I, I will freely admit I had two absolute breakdowns during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Both of the times when I got a text message that virtual learning is being extended until this new date. And I was like, no, like, I, you know, <laughs> No, um, but that then drove me back to the books mm-hmm. that I had read before the, the, you know, Rhonda Burns, the secret life-changing mm-hmm. her follow-up mm-hmm. book, the greatest secret. I am listening to it on audiobook for the third time because mm-hmm. there's too much in there for me to be able to get. Um, Rachel Hollis is another mm-hmm. person I follow. I've read all her books, mm-hmm. Jen Sincero. Her, her badass series, mm. read them all. Like you got to keep digging for more. And the people who I truly believe 
will be the most successful, not only in business, but in their lives and their personal lives and be the happiest are the ones who have this just totally insatiable mm. desire for knowledge. Yes. How can I be better? How can I do better tomorrow than I did today? Mm-hmm. How can I go meet this challenge? I'm very blessed. Like my, my brother is that type of person. So I'm constantly picking his brain. Yeah. And he is not an excuse guy. He's like, I don't want to hear all the reasons why you can't do it. Woo. I want to hear, because when you have a why, the how falls into place. Mm, right on. You got to have that why, right? So mm. I'm constantly looking for the new why so I can come up with a new how. Yes, yes, so, yes. You know, when I listen to you, podcast listeners, pay attention to this detail. Napoleon Hill in the classic book, Thinking We're Rich, said there are 2% of the people who know what they want and make a plan for what they want. And I think right now I'm interviewing one of those 2% people who know what they want <laughs> and then purposefully make a plan for what they want. I-, I love hearing about it. When I meet somebody, I know it almost instinctively that hey, this is another kindred spirit in the universe that I go, hey, I, you know, again, I know my passion. I know what I do on a daily basis. And then when I see that similar passion and drive and focus, um, it's easy for me to discern and pick up. And you, my friend, are, are a kindred spirit of mine Thank in you. the universe. And Thank you. I am blessed to be able to listen to you and learn from you. And the fact that I get to record this and listen to it over and over <laughs> again is more of a blessing. So anyway, um, I want you to know I am honored to be in your presence and to, to listen and to pick up on your energy um, because uh, uh, it, it, is, it is a beautiful, powerful thing. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Ashley, I want to say thank you for joining me on the Strong Life po- Coach podcast. It, this was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you. All right, podcast listeners. Um, we want to thank you for joining us on another episode. Um, those of you know, um, th- this episode is sponsored by Strong Life Scholars, whose focus is empowering Latinas with law student scholarships, undergraduate scholarships, community impact guidance, professional mentorships, and professional skills training. Go over to the Apple Podcast app, give us the five star rating. Remember to subscribe, and we'll connect with you on the next episode. Thank you.